You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Now we are obviously in the Christmas season. And during this time of the year, we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to the earth as an infant, that he took on flesh uh, and dwelt among us. It's our time to celebrate the coming of our King. And what a wonderful time of the year it is. Now listen, his coming is a historic, factual event. I was listening to a a news story the other day. And somebody, you know, I don't have one of those... uh, uh, I hate to call name brands, but one of those, you know, assistant things you have in your home that you talk to and they they do things and say things for you. A brand name came into my head, but I'm sure it's not the only one. But, um, you know, I don't have one of those. I personally don't like something in my house listening to everything I say. But that's a beside to beside. You know, some people really like them, swear by them, think they're the greatest things. And if you do, that's great. But this father... Uh, was just uh, running an experiment one day, so he asked their personal home assistant device, who is Jesus? And the device said, he's a mythical figure. He's a fictional, mythical figure. Careful who you let in your house. Do you understand what I'm saying? Especially if you have kids that ask it questions for this and that. How many of you know the fact that Jesus came to the earth, that he worked miracles, is a documented fact by a, a Jewish historian at the time who, who didn't wasn't even a believer? Jewish history records that Jesus was there and that he did miracles, that he did signs and wonders in front of the people. It's a historical fact. There is no mythical about it. There is no fictional about it. Jesus was there. We can prove that. Uh, but, but I was going to say, you know, watch, watch damn machines. But anyway, uh, it's a marvelous, factual, historical event that Jesus came to the earth and he took on human flesh, that he was born of a virgin in a stable in Bethlehem to the sound of angels singing to shepherds and, uh, and wise men bringing, you know, camel-laden gifts. And uh, I don't think there was a drummer boy. I think that's just a song. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a historical fact that he came. Uh, the Bible says he took on flesh and was made in the likeness of men. So I want to look at that scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians 2, 5. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Here in this verse, that word being, who being in the form of God, verse uh, 6, go ahead and go back to, yeah, who being in the form of God, that word being there is the Greek word, it's a compound of two other Greek words, but um, it's the Greek word huparko. Hupo means from, and arche means the first, original, or ancient. According to Rick Renner, when those words are put together in the Greek language, it depicts something that has always existed. 
something that has always existed, or in this case, someone who has always existed. Now, sometimes it's hard for us linear, finite people to understand that, that yes, we had a beginning, but God always was. He is an infinite being. He always was. Sometimes that freaks out our finite mind. We think because we had a beginning, everything has to have a beginning. But he has existed from eons past. Glory to God. I think it's important to realize that Jesus' existence didn't begin when he was born to Mary in that stable on Christmas Day. But he has always existed from eternity past as part of the Godhead. But he just happened to come to earth at that time and and take on flesh. But that wasn't the beginning of his existence. He, He existed as God from eons past. Glory to God. Abraham came thousands of years before Jesus' birth. But what did Jesus say to the Pharisees about Abraham? John 8, 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Glory to God. He didn't even say I was. He used his name. Before Abraham was, I am. Glory to God. I am, I was, I will be, and I'm here. He knew Abraham. He goes on in that portion of Scripture to say, I knew him. And they said, how can you know him? You're not even 50 years old yet. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Glory to God. That's who was in that, in that baby's body that night when he was born. How could he truthfully say that? Because he has existed in the Godhead from eternity past. John 1, 1 out of the Amplified Classic says, In the beginning, before all time was the Word. Before time existed, in the beginning was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God himself. Wow. Now listen, if God wanted to, He could appear in this room right now in all of his glory, showing us all of his splendor and his power and his magnificence in such a way that every one of us would dissolve into a puddle of mush on the floor. From eternity past, Jesus has existed. Many of you were here nearly three years ago when my nephew was a pedestrian and got hit by that van. Well, for those of you who don't know, and I'll make the story ever so short, three years, almost three years ago, it'd be three years in February, my nephew was on a hoverboard. He's 30-something, got three kids, and he's out on a hoverboard in the neighborhood. And uh, he told me, well, a vehicle ran over him. And I didn't know until this past week, but the vehicle hit him with such force that his femur, his thigh bone, was shoved up into his 
torso up into his body cavity, ripping arteries and everything as it went. Uh, I mean, just just messed him up bad. He had heart attacks. He had strokes. They told him, he, they told his parents he'd never live. I don't know how many times he actually died. He actually died a number of times. And you all may remember me telling you the story at the time. And, um, you know, when that happened, uh, he died on the operating table. They didn't realize. I don't know how they didn't realize he'd torn arteries on the inside of him, but they didn't realize. And the pressure of his body was keeping the blood uh, in, but when they opened him up for surgery, uh, it just, I mean, he just was bleeding out. So he died. He actually physically died on the table, and they brought him back. They sewed him up, brought him back, and, uh, you know, tried to tried to get the arteries and everything and, uh, and then stopped the bleeding. They took him to his room, and my sister and her husband were in there with him, and he died again. And so they're, they're doing CPR on him. All this was happening on a Sunday morning during church, and so when I got out of church, I saw the message, and I called her, and of course, she's just, you know, you can imagine how a mama would be, and uh, he, I mean, they're doing CPR right in front of her, trying to save his life, and, and she's yelling, and gosh, it was, you know, really dramatic for me, and I didn't know what to do, and so I uh, I went home, and I was in my bedroom, and and I said, Lord, what, what do I do there in another state? You understand there's not anything physically that I can do. And so I did what the only thing I knew to do. I called on the only one I knew who could fix it. And so while I was there in my bedroom, I started saying, I will not let him go. I will not let him go. And pretty soon I was yelling, I will not let him go. I won't let him go. He's only in his 30s. Father, this can't be your will. He's got three small children. This can't be your will. I will not let him go. But you know the whole time the devil was standing there saying, that's all you got? You think you yelling here in this room is doing anything? That's so stupid. And I felt my heart, you know, text that, text that to your sister. I will not let him go. And she said, and the devil's right here. He's not, she's not going to understand. Who do you think you are? She's going to think you're, you think you're something. How many of you know people don't understand faith? My, not everybody in my family is like me. Matter of fact, reality is I'm, I'm it. As far as people who believe like we believe. Uh, they all love God. They're all serving God in their own way. They don't have the knowledge of faith and the way the kingdom works that we do. And so the one thing I knew to do was text her. And so I just said, Pam, this is what keeps coming up in my heart. I will not let him go. And she told me later, she said, Rhonda, when your text came in, I had my pen in my hand and was about to sign a do not resuscitate to let him die. But she said, your words jolted me. And I put the pen down and I said, no, we're not going to let him go. Not just yet. Months and months and months later, he had heart attacks. He had strokes. He, they, they told my family, he'll never live. It's impossible. He's not going to live. And they, then later, when they saw he was going to live, they said, well, even if he lives, he's had so many strokes Oxygen was cut off to his brain for so long because even the nurses accidentally turned off his oxygen. He's on a trach. And they, they accidentally turned his oxygen off. So he died again. 
before they caught it and they brought him back. I don't know how many times the poor kid died. But when they saw he was going to live, they said he's had so much brain damage. He'll never be right. He'll never be functional. He'll never be able to function like a normal human being again. Well, I, you know, when he uh, started to, to come around and they took the trach out and he was getting better, he told my sister, he said, Mom, you saved my life. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, uh, I was out of my body and I was on my way to heaven. And he said, I heard you yelling, I will not let him go. I will not let him go. And he said, Mom, your words brought me back to the earth. And she said, as much as I'd love to take credit for that, it wasn't me. It was your Aunt Rhonda in another state, hundreds of miles away, screaming my faith at the top of my lungs to heaven. You know, sometimes I think God, oh, good for you, Pastor Rhonda. No, you're not getting it. I think God pulled back the curtain. I think he allowed that to happen so we would know that our declarations of faith are powerful. They're powerful. They do change things. When you make declarations of faith, those words reverberate into the heavens and it changes reality. It changes reality. Well, last week, I went to Florida for the first time and I, I got to spend some time with my nephew. First time in almost three years, first time since this happened. And to see him walk into the restaurant, I just cried. And then he cried, and then we cried together. It was a really wonderful time. Um, but I, I got some pictures, and I wanted to show you. Guys, you can go ahead. Do you have all three of them? One more. I want you to see he's on his feet. He's on his feet. Glory to God. He's doing great. He's doing great. His wounds took a very, very long time to close up, over a year, maybe a year and a half, almost maybe to closer to two, because they had to leave them open because of infection. I mean, there's so many things that should have killed him. Uh, but finally, everything is all healed up. All of his wounds are closed. And a couple months ago, they went in and reversed his colostomy, which if you don't know what that is, you want it reversed if it can be reversed. He got his colostomy reversed finally. And everything kicked back in perfectly. Glory to God. He needs one more surgery on his leg. But his recovery has been nothing short of a miracle. He drove to the restaurant to meet me. He walked in without even a noticeable limp. Talked to me in his right mind, just like he always did. It's amazing. The doctor said he'd never live. Then they said if he did, he'd have severe brain damage and be unfunctional. But the doctors are astounded at his progress. And he is considering, he is considered a walking, talking miracle. He told me, he said, Aunt Rhonda, there's a whole lot of ways I should have been being a witness before this. He said, I wish I'd have been a witness a different way. Maybe it would never have happened that I had to be a witness this way. 
But he said, at least God's using this to be a witness to the doctors. This is something they can't explain, something their intellect can't explain away. You've got A and B, and, and when you add one and one, they always equal two. He said, but in my case, I'm not equal in two. And they can't explain it. He said, one way or another, God is using my life to be a witness. He said, I wish I'd have done it a different way. But he said, nonetheless, that is the truth. So I told you all that for two reasons. Well, three reasons. Number one, your declarations of faith and your prayers are powerful. Secondly, I spent... I, well, first of all, I wanted to bring a report to you as, as occasionally people ask me even now, how's he doing? Um, you know, how's he getting along? And I wanted, I wanted you to see for yourself how he's doing. And I wanted to thank you for all of your prayers and, and your giving, your supply of the Spirit. I know a number of you told me that you were in there with me, fighting with me. Uh, you know, they don't know faith. And it seemed like in that first year, every time I turned my faith towards something else, he'd die or something else terrible, tragic would happen. They just don't understand the way we understand. And they weren't able to hold him when it was so critical. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I thank you for being in there and fighting with me. Now, the second reason I said all that is to tell you that last week I spent four hours with him listening to him try to wrap words around what it was like for him to actually be out of his body and in the physical presence of the Almighty God. It was such a profound experience. He was trying to wrap words around uh, this incredible thing that's happened to him. And he was talking about the awesomeness of God's presence and the infiniteness of him and just how he was so overwhelmed at the magnitude of God's presence. He, he said in some ways it was like he had his hand on my shoulder. Um, and he said, I experienced all of God at once from his from his love and the compassionate God uh, in, of the New Testament to the fierce and, and, and frightening God of the Old Testament to, to the Almighty who spoke and the worlds became. He's like, I, all of a sudden, it was a rush of everything that God is. And he said, I was so overwhelmed. I, I, didn't, know, I didn't even know what to do. And maybe, you know... I shouldn't, well, maybe I shouldn't say exactly what he said. But he said, I always, let's, I'll, I'll paraphrase. He said, I always uh, prided myself on being strong and kind of the tough guy. But he said, in the presence of that presence, I was as helpless as a baby. Just before the magnificence of God. Wow. That overwhelmingly infinite, awesome God chose to come to earth and take on the flesh of a human baby with all of human flesh's limitations. My goodness. Philippians 2.5 again, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. When Jesus came into the earth as that little baby born into a stable 2,000 years ago, he had already been existent before that. But as God, as that all-powerful, overwhelming force that my nephew was talking about. But he made himself of no reputation. He did that to himself. And he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus laid aside his deity. He gave up his rights as God and willingly took on flesh to be born as a baby in that stable. I want us to look at the New Living Version. Philippians 2, 5, New Living. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Oh, my goodness. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He didn't think his equality with God was something to cling to, but he willingly gave it up. He willingly gave up his identity as the almighty God and took on flesh so that he could come to the earth as a helpless infant. He willingly gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. Listen, as God, he was omniscient. He knew everything. He, he knew everything. But when he took on human flesh, he was limited to the intellectual functioning of a newborn child. Talk about being disorienting. He did the opposite of what my nephew did. You understand? And even worse, because my nephew, even in heaven, wasn't all-knowing. God was all-knowing. But he also gave up his omnipotence. As God, he was all-powerful. He spoke, and the universe obeyed him. The very elements of nature were subject to his word, and his power was limitless and infinite. But when he took on human flesh, he allowed himself to become as helpless as a newborn baby. He gave up his omnipresence. As God, he could be everywhere at once. When he took on human flesh, he was limited to being in only one place at one time. My goodness, what must that have been like for him? My nephew talked about how disorienting it was for him to suddenly find himself in a place where his natural senses that we all as humans rely on all of our lives to interpret and make sense of our environment, that all of his senses were suddenly useless and not functional. Things were coming at him as impressions upon his spirit instead of things he could actually see and hear and taste and touch and smell. He said it was disorienting at first. 
He said, matter of fact, they were trying to get me to the place where I would say that I wanted to come back and stay. He said, the, I guess they were angels. He said, there were these beings with me. And they kept trying to get me to a place where I would say that I wanted to go back and stay. So that, so that I could go back and stay. And one of the things he said they told me was, not everybody gets this choice, young man. And he said, Aunt Rhonda, that's what they said. That's all they said. Not everybody gets this choice. But he said, the moment they said it, there was an impression on my spirit. I knew who they were talking about. I knew the situations they were talking about. It was like a download of information that was embedded in their words. He said, I knew exactly the, the people they were thinking of and the situations that had occurred and the fact that they didn't get a choice. My goodness. How must it have been for Jesus to experience that in reverse? And all of a sudden go from knowing everything and knowing it intuitively to being limited to the faculties or senses of a human body. John 1, 1 in the Amplified Classic, in the beginning before all time was the word, Christ. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God Himself. He was present originally with God. That's who, that's who was born in that stable that day. That's who was laid in the manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that's who the shepherds came to see. And that's who the angels came to see. And that's who the wise men came and bestowed gifts upon. But to them, they saw a baby. A helpless little infant. He was present originally with God, verse 2. Verse 3. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. When creation was being uh, carried out, Jesus was all up in the middle of that. He was all up in the middle of creating uh, uh, human beings that would eventually uh, be his parents. And he would submit to them in the same way that they rightly should have submitted to him. My goodness. My goodness. John 1, 14 out of the Amplified Classic. And the word Christ became flesh, human, incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us. And we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. 
Listen, that is who was born into that stable that day so long ago to a virgin named Mary. The king of glory who existed from eternity past and was intricately involved in creation. This was the one who was born into that stable and laid in a manger in the hay. This is the one the shepherds came to see and the one to whom the wise men gifted their treasures. The almighty God, the great king of the universe. He was clothed in glory and majesty and splendor, but he willingly decided not to cling to those attributes, but he stripped them off and clothed himself in flesh so that he could come to the earth and put into motion God's plan. I love the way the NLT says it there. Philippians 2, 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. How many of you... Sometimes we find it hard to lay down the little things of our life that define us. To pick up the weightier things of God. Whether that's a job or, or whether that's, you know, just giving of our time or, or whatever that is, we think it's such a big deal. But listen, he didn't cling to his own deity. For you, he gave it up for you and for me to be born a helpless baby. So that he could put into motion the plan of God. Verse 7, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. You know what? That makes me love him and love his coming even more. To know what he sacrificed just to come. Why did he do that? Why was he willing to not cling to his position as God, but willingly give it up? What compelled him to give up his divine privileges and take the humble position of a newborn human baby? I can tell you, it's four letters. L-O-V-E. It was love. It was love. Love for humanity. For those beings that he helped to create. His love for us compelled him to lay aside his deity and clothe himself in flesh and take on the form of a tiny baby that day so long ago so that the plan of redemption could be put into motion. Verse 8 in the King James says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What is my point? The point of the manger, the point of Christmas was the cross. The point of his coming was the cross. He loved us enough that he was willing to lay down everything that he had and everything that he was so that he could come to the earth and save us. 
So when you see the baby in the manger this holiday season, I want you to realize who it actually was that was laying there. Sometimes things are not always as they appear. You know, that day I was yelling in my bedroom. As far as I know, my voice was just bouncing off the ceiling. If anything supernatural was going on, I didn't know the first thing about it. But things are not always as they appear. So many times there's so much more going on under the surface than we realize. When Jesus cursed that fig tree, that tree didn't automatically that instant dry up. No, it was only in the next day when they came back that they saw it had dried up from the root. Because his words went to the root. His words went to the root. His words went to the root. Listen, don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid to boldly declare what God has said. Don't you be afraid to boldly speak out those things that come up in your heart, those confessions of faith. It doesn't matter whether anybody's going to understand it or not. If God spoke it to you, if he said it, then it will be. It will be. And don't you let the devil talk you into shutting up. I'm telling you, since the day I got a hold of faith, he's been trying to shut me up. You can tell it ain't worked yet. Your words are powerful. Your faith is powerful. Your declarations of what you believe are powerful. Things are not always the way they appear on the surface. Suddenlies, suddenlies, surprise, surprise, suddenlies, and surprises, suddenlies, and surprises. Hmm. I like that. 19 days. I like that. A couple years ago, I did the Christmas program, and I had the guys of our praise and worship team, singers and musicians alike, sing a song about this very thing. And I asked them to pull it out of the archives so I can play it for you tonight. So, this is the song. It's about my 
It's not a great recording, but they did good. I thought about calling this afternoon and <laughs> that's why I pulled the video. Because <laughs> that laughter you just did, I think he'd have done too. <laughs> but you know what? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to come to the earth in this time that we celebrate Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The point of Jesus coming was not just the manger, but the cross. Because he loved us. Because he loves every sinner. But you know what? I want to go back. Guys, pull up Philippians 2, 6 out of the King James. Eh, back up to verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? A mind of humility, humbleness, being willing to lay down our lives for someone else. A mind of love. A mind of love. Father, during this Christmas time, may the mind that was in Christ, that motivated him, that motivated you to send your only son, may that mind, that attitude the new living says, may that be in us. Father, help us not to get so caught up in the trappings of this season that we forget that love was the reason for the entire season. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was God. Verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He became obedient unto death. He became obedient all the way to death. Obedient to what? That love. That love that compelled him. That love that drove him. That agreement he had with the Father. When, when God said, who will go? Who can I send? And Jesus said, me. I'll go. I'll go. My goodness. 
he became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Verse 9. Philippians 2, 9. Wherefore? Wherefore? Because of that. Because he humbled himself. Because he was willing to lay aside his deity. Because he was willing to come. God also hath now highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. Glory to God. Because he was willing to come. Because he was willing to lay aside his deity. He's now been given a name that's above every name. His name is above the name of trauma. His name is above the name of death. His name is above the name of heart attack or stroke or, or, or blood clots or, or brain death or cancer or anemia or diabetes or whatever it is. If you can name it, he's above it. And if you don't know what it is, make it up. Because he is highly exalted and given a name which is above every name. Verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, things change. Stuff changes. Stuff changes. Things change when you use the name. What do you have that needs changed? Use the name. Well, Pastor Rhonda, I did and nothing happened. How many of you know it didn't look like anything happened with my nephew either? Didn't look like anything happened with the fig tree immediately either, did it? But God. But God. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things in earth, and things even under the earth. Cancer has to bow its knee. Death has to bow its knee. Diabetes has to bow its knee. Heart attack has to bow its knee. Things in the earth. Things under the earth. I tell you, when you use that name, hell has a flashback. Hell has a flashback. Jesus went into the very bowels of hell and made a show of the devil openly, triumphing over him in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. He took back the keys. He took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says he made a show of the devil openly. In front of all the hordes of hell, he was humiliated. Taken captive, conquered and vanquished. 
So when you use the name, in the name of Jesus, sometimes you just got to get real serious. Because if you play around with it, he ain't going anywhere. Sometimes I just got to get his attention. I address you in the name of the one who made a show of you openly. The one who humiliated you and defeated you right there in the bowels of hell. Right there on your turf. Right there on your turf. It's in that name. It's in that name that I'm addressing you. And in the name of Jesus, get out. Get out. Because at the name of Jesus... Put it back up there, guys. Every knee should bow. Things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Verse 11. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, they're all going to have to admit. They're all going to have to admit it. They're all going to have to admit it. You know why they don't want to hear you now? You ever tried to share with somebody and they really don't want to hear you? You know why? Because if it's the truth, if he really is alive, if God really is real, then they're going to answer to him someday. And if they're going to answer to him someday, then they're going to have to change their life. And sometimes they just don't want to do it. And so they pretend like it's not true. They don't want to hear it. Because they don't want to be accountable. But today is coming. One way or another, they're going to bow. They might as well do it now when they can do it willingly and get some benefit out of it. Because one way or another, they're going to bow. Because he was willing to come as that little baby. Because he was willing to lay aside his deity. Because he was willing to, to, to uh, lay aside his benefits as God, uh, his omniscience, his omnipotence, uh, you know, his omnipresence. He was willing to, to let all that go and take the form of a helpless baby and live a life of obedience. Right up to the cross. Everybody is going to bow someday. 
We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.